Thank you for that lovely song. What an appropriate song. You know, our God is great. And he wants us just to walk with him. He can win every battle. He can defeat every enemy. He can do it all. And as we've been looking through this uh, book, 1 Samuel, well, the whole Bible is about God, isn't it? It's revealing to us God and revealing to us human beings just like us who are weak and who get it right and who get it wrong. We saw last Sunday, David got it wrong. He stopped trusting God. You know, he made bold claims about God rewarding the, the righteous and the faithful and then immediately he goes off into Philistine territory and he starts telling lies. Huh. just feels sort of disappointed. Well, he's like us. He's like us. We, we can be just like this, boldly proclaiming the truth and then facing difficulties. Um, he was worn down by continual opposition from Saul. He was tired. He was weary of the battle. It was a continual battle and he wanted to find refuge and he sought it in the Philistine territory. Well, as you'll see in the subsequent chapters, it didn't work out too well. He had to do a lot of rescuing his family as a result of this. But in the midst of all this, God is sovereign. He's teaching David lessons. I read... uh, Psalm 34 at the start of the service, one of David's psalms. It's a psalm that comes out of his failures and his successes. He's crying out to God in his weakness. He said, you know, I cried to the Lord and he answered me. And David's great strength, and we see it in Psalm 51, is even though he makes big mistakes, he keeps turning back to God. He keeps turning back to the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of Moses and all the ones before him. And what we're going to see today is the contrast in his, uh, uh, the other characters, key character in this book, which is Saul, the king. And, uh, you know, (laughs) There is a big contrast between these two men. You know, Saul's heart had become deeply compromised in the land of Israel. David's heart is compromised in the Philistine territory because whenever you put yourself in foreign territory and seek refuge in the world, you will be corrupted by it. But Saul is actually compromised in God's territory. And that is much more dangerous because he is making choices when he could be receiving the grace and mercy of God in his territory in contradiction to the influence of God. And you'll see that because not only uh, in in the chapter that we read today does Uh, the witch of Endor reminds Saul that Saul himself has put all the the evil forces out of the land. So he's actually dwelling in the land that has been purged of the evil 
but he's choosing evil himself in it. That is dangerous, as we're going to see. You see, Samuel tells us in this, in this book of two accounts where Saul, his heart had been corrupted in the land. He rejects the authority of God. In 1 Samuel 13, there's that story of Samuel telling Saul to wait until he comes to offer the sacrifice. And because Samuel is delayed and the Israelite forces are scattering and Saul is feeling under pressure, ever felt that? See the pews tonight? Not too full of people? Ever felt under pressure? And he goes and steps into action to try and resolve the issue himself, but disobeys and breaks out of his authority lines. He's not entrusted with the authority to offer sacrifices like this. Samuel is the one. Well, that's the first time he sets himself in diametric opposition to God. And then... Two chapters later, when God gives him an instruction to test him to go and wipe out the Amalekites because of their treatment of Israel, again we see Saul disobeying and choosing his own way in the face of all the pressures that are on him and not obeying God. Remember the story, he says, as Samuel comes and says, oh, what is the sound of these sheep bleating? And he says, the people took the spoil, the sheep and the oxen, the best of the things devoted to destruction, to sacrifice to the Lord, your God. There is a declaration of rebellion. He is dwelling in the land of Israel, king of Israel, and he is now telling Samuel, well, he's your God now. What about my God. And Samuel says, has the Lord as great a delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams for rebellion is as the sin of divination. To rebel against God when he has given you instruction is like you are playing the witch. And notice in the New Testament, when Paul writes to the Galatians, as he speaks of the works of the flesh, and he says this, the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. There's a work of the flesh. Witchcraft. Oh, I'm not a witch. He's put all the witches out of the land. But Samuel is telling Saul, in the land, your rebellion is like being a witch. And presumption is as iniquity and idolatry because you have rejected the word of the Lord. The Lord has rejected you from being king. Well, what is the consequence of this Disobedience. What is the consequence of rebellion and opening your life up to 
another influence other than God himself? Well, we see it. Saul had embraced rebellion against God and then is subject in the land that God has chosen to place him to evil forces that begin to control his future actions. In 1 Samuel 18, we have a harmful spirit from God rushed upon Saul. As I've said in the title of this message, life is spiritual. Life is spiritual. There are actions that we take, but they have consequences spiritually in relation to where we sit and under whose spirit we are operating. Saul has chosen to rebel. His rebellion by God is declared to be like divination or witchcraft. And now an evil spirit from God comes upon Saul. And he tries to kill David in this, in this particular situation. And that spirit is now ruling him. Remember what happened uh, when David had acted righteously, not killing Saul and taking his, his uh, spear and showing him. And Saul says, oh, I repent of all this. And I'm, oh, you're a more righteous man than me. And yet the next chapter he's trying to pursue him again and kill him. Because he is ruled by a spirit. Life is spiritual. Later on we have the situation where Saul is so obsessed and influenced by this spirit of, of jealousy, of anger, of murder. He goes to... Uh, the priests who are protecting David, Ahimelech, and uh, he's so stirred up by the spirit in chapter 22 of Samuel, 1 Samuel. And Ahimelech answers the king and says, and who among all your servants is so faithful as David? Who's the king's son-in-law and captain over the bodyguard and honoured in your house? Is today the first time that I have inquired of God for him? No, let not the king impute anything to his servant or to all the house of my father, for your servant has known nothing of all this, much or little. And the king said, You surely shall die, Ahimelech, you and all your father's house. Here is a priest acting righteously, seeking God's favour for God's servant, and the man who is king of the nation is now declaring to murder him. And the king said to the guard who stood about him, Turn and kill the priests of the Lord, because their hand also is with David. And they knew that he fled and did not disclose it to me. But the servants of the king would not put their hand to strike the priests of the Lord. Then the king said to Doeg, You turn and strike the priests. And Doeg the Edomite turned and struck down the priests, and he killed on that day 85 persons. Is life spiritual? And if you allow yourself to be opened up to spiritual forces, be careful. The consequences are enormous. And Nob, the city of the priests, he put to the sword both man and beast, child and infant, ox and donkey, sheep. He put to the sword, killed them all because of the spirit that is operating on Saul. Well, at the beginning of this chapter, 
in chapter 28, we read in those days the Philistines gathered their forces for war. So the enemies of God's people are rallying themselves to fight. Does that ever make any sense to you? Do you think there are forces rallying themselves to fight against God's people today? Yeah, thanks, Stuart. Yeah. There are forces all the time on earth rallying themselves against God's people. And that will always be the case until the end of this world. The Philistines are constantly seeking to destroy the people of God and that's the case in the spiritual war that we fight. And then Achish says to David, understand that you and your men are to go out with me in the army. So David, seeking refuge amongst the Philistines, is now being engaged in fighting his own people when he had told Achish, remember what he told Achish? He was fighting against the Israelites. When he wasn't fighting against the Israelites, he was fighting against the enemies of God's people and destroying them. And now Achish is inviting him, come with me and we'll fight against your people. This doesn't look good, does it? David has aligned himself with the enemies of Israel and now finds himself in a challenging position. Somehow he needs to be set free from his relationship with the Philistine king. How will this unfold? Well, actually, God is incredibly gracious to David. And we'll see in the subsequent chapter that David is relieved of this uh, very tense situation. Although he says to Akish again, he says, very well, you shall know what your servant can do. I don't know what David is thinking right here. Is he thinking, help God, get me out of this trouble. And Akish says to him, very well, I will make you my bodyguard for life. What have I said? Well, we'll see how God rescues David in a chapter or so's time. But then the whole story in chapter 28 turns to Saul. Saul's spiritual condition. And we read here, Samuel had died. The prophet, the one who challenged the king, the one who was the voice of God to the people has died. And all Israel mourned for him and buried him. I think we looked at that previously and said, you know, isn't it sad that they didn't listen to Samuel when he was alive? Now they're mourning when he's dead. And often that is the case for us. We have wise counsellors who give us advice and we listen, oh yeah, maybe, 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 and then they die. Oh, I should have taken his advice. And they buried well, we've already had them burying Samuel in Ramah, his own city. And Saul had put out the mediums, the necromancers out of the land. We're told this because we need to be put right in the picture. Saul has made the decision. He knows that these uh, influences are against God. And he's put them out of the land. And as I said before, but Saul's heart in the land is actually in rebellion of God anyway. 
the Philistines assembled and came and encamped at Shunem. And Saul gathered all Israel and they encamped at Gilboa. When Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid. Why was that? Because the Philistines were, uh, they had the latest technology in those days. And the Israelites, you might recall, didn't have quite the technology that the Philistines had. And here we have a vast number of Philistines coming against Israel. And his heart greatly trembled. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer. Hmm. He's, he's inquiring of God. Notice how he killed, or he had Ahimelech and all the priests, those that were meant to be uh, the intermediaries between God and Samuel has died, and now Saul is trying to seek God, and God doesn't answer him, either by dreams or Urim or by prophets. Why doesn't God answer Saul? He's crying out to him. Isaiah tells us. Isaiah tells us in Isaiah 59 why God does not hear Saul. He says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear dull that it cannot hear, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Saul is not dealing with his sin. He's just asking God to deliver him with no repentance. Well, this is a good story to remind us that without repentance... We cannot expect God to be on our side, to come into action. There needs to be a willingness to repent, and Saul has demonstrated an unwillingness to repent. He has relentlessly pursued the one God has anointed to be king. When Saul inquired of the Lord, he did not answer. Then Saul said to his servants, Seek out for me a woman who is a medium that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servant said to him, Behold, there is a medium at Endor. He's just put them out of the land. Now he's seeking them. Why is Saul seeking a witch? Because he knows life is spiritual. And he is going to engage with spiritual forces that are opposed to God. He's going to join with them and the consequences are going to be suicide. The consequences are going to be death. And this is Saul's spiritual condition. He disguises himself, puts on other garments and went and he and two men with him and they came to the woman by night and he said divine for me a spirit and bring up for me whomever I shall name to you who do you think he would call out to isn't that strange he wants Samuel back why does he want Samuel back Because he knows Samuel speaks the truth. 
Now he's going about it in a totally corrupt way. And the consequences are going to be significant. The woman said to him, surely you know what Saul has done, how he's cut off the mediums and necromancers from the land. Why then are you laying a trap for my life to bring about my death? But Saul swore to her by the Lord, as the Lord lives, no punishment will come upon you for this thing. What Saul is about to discover is that joining with spiritual wickedness leads to death. Leads to death. His own death is going to occur as a result of this. Because, as Jesus says, the thief... The enemy of all that is right and true and good, the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. And if we join with anything to do with the enemy, align ourselves with him, the outcome is exactly what Jesus said. It is death and destruction. But you know, God has provided a means to save us from this evil for you and me we're certainly reminded in the New Testament that life is spiritual there are evil forces behind idols and gods of the world Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10 do I imply that pagan sacrifice and they offer to demons and not to God I do not want you to be a participant with demons You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. He's saying, I imply what they're sacrificing and offering to idols, they're offering to demons. Shall we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? And then, of course, as we had tonight, he goes on to tell the Ephesians that we need to be equipped to stand in the spiritual battle that we encounter in this world. And that passage in Ephesians highlights the reality that life is spiritual. And if you act in ways that rebel against God, you open yourself up to spiritual powers that you will not be able to control. Do you know I heard a very sad thing, a very kind of illuminating and sad thing this week at a minister's breakfast Paul Tucker who is the head of Mosaics who set up our audiovisual uh, facilities and he told us about churches during COVID and he said that numbers of churches where massive organizational uh, audiovisual teams uh, present spectacular light shows and and all the other things. When COVID came, it all shut down. And some of those people who were engaged in all of this went into deep depression and a few of them took their lives. Now, why do you think that is? Because, you see, we have become so focused on the outward appearance of things. We've become so focused on doing things outwardly that we've forgotten that God is not concerned about the outward appearance. He looks at the heart. In fact, we have that passage in 1 Samuel. 
And everything needs to look good. Everything needs to be beautiful and, and, and wonderful. And when outwardly it isn't, we disintegrate. When God is not concerned about that, he looks at the heart. And here he is with Saul. He knows Saul's heart. It's corrupted. And Paul, when he writes to the Ephesians, he, he focuses on the spiritual battle that we fight. He says, he finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. So we have to be strong in him. So we need to be in fellowship with him. And is Saul in fellowship with God? God does not hear his prayers. God does not answer him. Because he's in rebellion. He's acting like a witch even though he's put them out of the land. And the spirit that has come upon him from God is an evil spirit that is driving the agenda. And of course is now drawing a witch from Endor into the scene. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Do you remember when David went to fight Goliath? What did he say to Goliath? You come against me with a spear and a sword, but I come against you in the name of Jehovah Sabaoth. Remember, that is the God of Hannah who taught Samuel to pray like she prayed and Samuel who taught David to pray like Hannah prayed. And David, before he fought Goliath, what was he doing? Was he putting on the armour of Saul and finding strength in that? David learned to live in fellowship with the God of Israel through the ministry of Samuel. And he was strong in the might of God. Goliath, I come against you in Jehovah's Sabaoth. I have prayed to the, my God and you are going to come down. Put on the whole armour of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Well, sadly, Saul has stripped himself of the armour of God and he's fighting in fleshly armour and he is going to fail. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. This is what life is about. As a Christian, as a believer in the God of Israel, our Lord Jesus, we're in a battle. There are forces against us. I, I, I knew tonight as I was going to talk about demons. I remember preaching about demons in that church and my daughter was driving a car with Daniel and Mary in it in, in Huntingdale Road and a drunk man drove and nearly killed them. And when I heard my little son, grandson having an accident, I thought, I know your wickedness, Satan. We're in a war. And it's real. And Paul is telling us here how to stand in this battle. He says, therefore take up the whole armour of God, all the pieces, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth. Well, is David living in the belt of truth? 
He's lying. Is Saul living in the belt of truth? He's deceiving a witch of Endor. This does not look good. You can never defeat Satan if you're not putting on the truth. The truth about your sin. The truth about the reality of your heart. Are you in sin? The truth is, if you are, you can confess it and seek forgiveness and cleansing and be protected by God. If you go on denying it like Saul was doing, you're opening yourself up to the enemy and his his overwhelming power to defeat you. Put on the belt of truth. And put on the breastplate of righteousness. Of course, the breastplate covers the heart, doesn't it? Protects the heart. And this righteousness, we we put on this righteousness because it's not ours. It belongs to Jesus. It's his righteousness that we put on. And we can't put it on unless we acknowledge who we really are, can we? Unless we confess our sins. For he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Put on this breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, as the power to keep you moving forward, the readiness given by the gospel of peace. There is peace. Patty in Monash Gardens There is peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you relying on your own efforts, on your own activities? Saul certainly is at the moment. He's going into overdrive in his own activities and is going to lead to absolute destruction. Or are you coming humbly to God and acknowledging that peace is only really found in the forgiveness of your sins, in the cleansing blood of Jesus, of the renewing power of the Holy Spirit, that is the gospel of peace. And in all circumstances, take the shield of faith. How do you take a shield of faith? How does faith come to us? It comes by hearing. Hearing the word of Christ. It's strongly connected to his word, his truth. With which you can extinguish the fiery darts of the evil one. Someone said to me just not so long ago, they were being bombarded with thoughts of destruction in their body. And yeah, sure, that's the devil. How did Jesus overcome Satan? He quoted scripture to him. How do we overcome Satan? We quote scripture to him. I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. We can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. This is Paul writing, flaming darts. Well, right at the moment, Saul has been overcome by flaming darts. He is just absolutely immersed with flaming darts. Fear of the Philistines, anguish, trembling. These darts are just flooding him. And now he's going into overdrive. Overdrive. 
and take the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation protects our heads. There is salvation in no one else and no other name given among men by which we can be saved. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. We sang a beautiful song before. It's Jesus. His name is above every name. And that helmet can protect our heads from all the bombardments of the evil one. It's amazing how the name of Jesus on its own has power to overcome Satan and all his fiery darts. Use it often. The name of Jesus has power against the enemy. A helmet of salvation. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, as we said before, this is how Jesus overcame the devil by using the word of God with absolute accuracy. Satan quoted the scriptures. Throw yourself down. The angels will lift you up. He was quoting Psalm 91, except he didn't quote the beginning of it, did he? He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High, who abides in the shadow of the Almighty, then the angels will bear you up in their arms. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It's amazing how it's difficult to overcome Satan when you can't quite get the words right, isn't it? What's that verse? I can't quite... You know, well, where, well, quickly, find it. Let our minds be so filled with God's Word that it's quickly there and available. Praying at all times in the Spirit. Well, we read the Psalms. And what do we read? Not many Psalms were written by Saul, were they? How many Psalms were written by Saul in the Bible? That many. Not one. How many Psalms were written by David? How many prayers have we got of David? He had learned from Samuel about Hannah. Samuel's mother and he learned that prayer was the instrument that God had given to us to connect with him and so Paul goes on to say with all prayer and supplication do that and keep alert with all perseverance making supplication for all the saints as Samuel said just before he died far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you Sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance. And also for me, that words may be given me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. We need to pray that we will speak the truth. It's not easy to speak the truth sometimes. I was really delighted and I met uh, Naomi's uh, fiancé, Noah. He's a very interesting young man. He's not perfect, (laughs) definitely, and they said that last night. (laughs) But there's one thing he loves and that's the truth and he'll speak it out sometimes and... (laughs) The truth will set you free. And we need to pray that we will be able to speak the truth. David has not spoken the truth to a kish. 
he's put himself in the wrong place where his own heart can be corrupted in the company of those whose ways are not the ways of the Lord. But more so, Saul, in the land of promise, in amongst God's people, is defying God. And the outcome is serious. Well, we all have a choice. Every day we have a choice. The Bible's answer to meet the spiritual battles of life are presented to us, but we have a choice. Which spirit will rule over you? You have a choice. Joshua says this, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and faithfulness. Put away the gods of your fathers who served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And if we do serve the Lord, he will give us his spirit and his spirit always wins the battle. His spirit always wins the battle. Do you remember the story of Stephen? What does it describe about Stephen in the New Testament? A man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Did Stephen win the battle when he was stoned to death? Who won the battle on that day? Because Stephen chose to serve the Lord like Joshua, the Spirit of God gave him the victory. For the Spirit of God can never lose. Amen.